That's all right. Hey, everybody. Hey, Greg's here. All right. All right. The man of the hour is here. Absolutely. Too sweet to be sour. He is such a, a wonderful person because, yeah, we asked him last minute, and this gentleman did not hesitate to step up to it. Oh, there I am. What's up? Yep. Hey, everybody. Hey, what's going on, Greg? How you feeling, man? Hey, how you doing, brother? Long time. How you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there, man. Taking it day by day. Same shit, different toilet, man. <laughs> That's the fucking truth. Ah, how are we all doing in this evening? Excellent. Um, Andy, I'm going to let you start because I know you've kind of had a, a kind of a rough go this week. Uh, it's just been weird, but um, for the most part, I'm just glad it's Friday. Uh, we're doing our thing. You know, we're... Um, yeah, we're going to go live now, and we're having a great conversation with Greg, doing a part two of this, of the, you know, pretty much of the interview, man. So um, we'll start with you, man. Like, what makes you happy, bro? What makes you happy? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. What a great question. What a, what a great question. I, I, I just had two days off after working nine in a row. I mean, that felt pretty good. Uh, but I got to go back tomorrow, so uh, it's whatever. I, I needed desperately to decompress, and I did. <laughs> Desperately, but yeah, feeling a little better. Yeah. There's nothing like having two days back to back, man. That's such a great feeling, man. No, for real. And when you work um, a rotating bullshit schedule, it, it it it's nice to remember what a weekend feels like. Yeah, I mean, I word, not nah, for real. Andy, I only got like <laughs> what eight weeks off right now. Fuck off. Hey, listen, eight weeks is eight hey, weeks. Hey, eight weeks is eight weeks. I deserve these fucking eight weeks, man. No, yeah, no. Word. There's a reason I didn't become a teacher. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So last time we mm. went live, you know, I mean, we we had our our episode. We talked about how you know we were releasing your new book. Now mm. that your book has been released, how do you feel about the release of this new book? I feel pretty decent about it. I mean, it's it's out there. Um, you should feel more... pretty fucking decent about it. It's fucking <laughs> great. I got yeah. it right here. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you. Great. Thank you. I um, gave, uh, Greg, I'm sorry not to cut you off, but I actually gave not, one of your books to um, Divide the Fall when I gave him a gift package. So oh, I cool. gave him to the band, man. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, the reception from like my core little group following of like 30 has been pretty good. Um, I've really yet to get out to like the other little independent shops and whatnot yet, just because I've just been like kind of just backing off a little bit. This, this, this book took a fuck ton out of me, so I'm just kind of letting it take its course, and, you know, I'm enjoying seeing what people are saying about it and all that jazz. Um, yeah, that's really it. I mean, I, it's, it's out. I'm happy about it, and now it's, it's on to the next thing, you know? No rest uh, for the wicked. Awesome. <laughs> Hold on. You said yeah, that this book took a lot out of you. Can you talk about that at all? Like, what do you mean? Just because it, it's a pretty, it's extensive. It looks like it's a little bit longer than, almost double the size, almost. As it's a little bit longer. Because I was more sure of myself with this one, so I was like, let's expand it a little more. Um, and a lot of the pieces in them, in this one, they 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 progressed from what, what they started. Like, some of them, the one I'm going to read, um, started out as just a basic sort of recollection. Um, and it grew into something a little bit more, because I wanted, I liked the, the, the tone that it started to take. It started to take a little different tone than I expected, and I'm like, let me see if I can run with this and experiment a little bit, because... If you're going to get better at this, you got to kind of break from what you know. 
um, or what you're familiar with and comfortable with. So I tried to experiment a little with that, and I was like, all right, you know, let's really try that a little bit more with some other other pieces. And uh, a lot of them expanded into something a lot more, and I had to pick a lot of old scabs to get out what I wanted to get out. Um, I think I even mentioned that in the preface, you know, what you're about to expect, and it's really, I took Hemingway's advice, you know, bleed at the typewriter, and I did. I, I really fucking, this one took a lot out of me, and it, it felt really good afterwards. But, um, so anybody who does not like this one is, I'm going to take it personally, because, just because it's so much went into it, but that's, a, that's about it. But, um, yeah, so I, I just, I wanted to expand on a, a lot more and just, uh, you know, break out of that comfort zone, break the pattern and just see where it took me. I, I like where it took me. I, I'm very happy with how this book was. Okay. You talk to me, like, talk to us about where the place, the places it took you to. I'm, I'm very intrigued to know where did it take you exactly? I'm very interested. To um, know. Not many places I wanted to go again, <laughs> um, but um, for the, for the sake of entertainment, that's where I went. Um, it's not just it's not just you know relationship stuff. It's not just heartbreak stuff. It's like um, a a lot of defeatism went into this. Um, when I when I the the year I was writing this, I was going through a lot of like uh, personal BS, like worse than I had in a long time, and uh, that comes because I was in a really tough sort of hateful place that came through here. But that it, I I think it made a lot of, a lot. Um, of improvement on this. Um, so a lot of it has to do with um, a lot of defeatism. Um, but I, I didn't really tell a full fucking narrative with this or anything, but like I try to set up so like the, the ones where I hate my life from the beginning and the ones where I have a little more optimism or a little more toward the, excuse me, toward the end. So I don't want to say it's like overly optimistic or I found the silver lining or whatever, but it's just kind of like, yeah, everyday shit. It's like, well, you know, what the fuck are you going to do? I'm not going to just lay down and die. I'm not ready to do that yet. So that's that's where I took that. So um, a lot of just the book that I was feeling earlier, I kind of um, purged a lot of that, which I desperately, desperately needed to. Um, some of it's related to what it's in the book. Some of it's not related to what's in the book, but it all went into the whole. If that makes sense. Okay. And, no, no, that makes sense. And <laughs> and with all that being said, mm -hmm. is that also the inspiration behind the title, the, the fog at the midnight? I, I, I like I like to do that little trick where like what you think is like the best one or like what your favorite one is becomes like the title for your book. And one of my favorite ones is the uh, the title piece in there. I'm very proud of that one. I want to read that one today. Um, that one. Like I said, that's the one that started as just a basic recollection, and then I took it a little more different because it kind of took on like a sort of haunting, mysterious, like ghostly, like foggy, sh shrouded sort of mood. I think, and I wanted to play with that a little bit. Um, I'm not gonna tell you what it's about. I'm gonna read the fucking thing, but um, <laughs> you'll see. You'll see soon enough. But but that's that. This this that piece right there is sort of like um it all encompasses the entire book where it's like, it started out as one thing and then it became almost something completely, not completely different, but more of what it was more of what I wanted it to become. And it happened naturally. I, I love when that happens when it just falls into place. Yeah. Like that. Absolutely. Word. I couldn't agree more. Um,
I don't know if, if you are new to uh, Greg Manzi. He does have two uh, collections of poetry books, but we're talking about the one that came out this year, um, February 4th, 2023. So just a couple of months in, um, I had the privilege of reading both the first and second um, collection of books. Um, in this book, um, Andy, I don't know, it's towards the center of it, he kind of goes into a whole narrative kind of structure. It's completely different. You kind of throw a kind of a curveball. Is that kind of where the uh, precipice of where you kind of change from a darker theme after this section? Is that where the light starts to come through? If it's the one I'm thinking of. Well, it's I a think it is. situation. It's yeah, a whole that, narrative. you got chapters. Yes. That is, I would love to read that one, but it would take like the entire time. Um, but that one, you that's should. the one. Uh, it's, it's a whole story. It's yeah, a that, whole story. that was a tough one for me to get through. That was yeah. a tough one for me to get through, but that was, yeah, you're right. That's kind of like it, I, like me bottoming out, and then things sort of get a little bit better after that. And it happened unintentionally. I didn't intend to set it up like that, but that's why I love when it just comes together like that. That's when yeah. you know it's a real deal. Um, yeah, that one, that one's intense. That one's very intense. That, there was a lot of purging, a lot of old wounds open up in that one. Uh, I don't know Absolutely. if you finished that one yet, oh, but, I um, it. oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. You. Um, I read both of them. but yeah, that, that's, that's, that's where, okay. That's where, yeah, but that, that, you're right. That's where I kind of bombed out and then the, the light kind of showing through a little bit. Yeah. Cause if if you're just joining us, we are highlighting, interviewing a uh, Greg Manzi, GM Manzi, who has two collections of poetry books out there. We were talking about the fog of midnight hours and how um, he talked about that there are some dark themes, but towards the end, there was some positivity. And, and this collection of books took a lot out of him, he said. And what about now? Like, are you feeling a little more relieved after having all of this kind of, kind of carved out? I mean, because this is pretty intense. Like I said, the section, I wish we could read all the 10, I think it's 10 uh chapters there um mm -hmm. do you feel like it's a catharsis that happened here you feel oh yeah oh, good to go oh yeah uh, i wouldn't say good to go but it definitely yeah catharsis without without question without question um and i i'm not one of those people who says you know writing is my therapy i'm not one of those people but it can be very therapeutic and if you know how to channel it right you can get some good shit out of it you know that, that's that's what it is you know you just yeah, you find it, you hone it, and you kind of like just force it out there. And then, you know, you, you see what's scattered because it's going to be garbage probably. And then you just got to, all right, let's pick up the pieces and what do I have here? Okay, yes, I, I vomited out all my hatred and all my emotion, but this can be better. Why would I just leave it like this? You know, mm. let, me, let me make something out of this. Let's, let's make something nice out of something that was disgusting. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Okay, yeah. I like. Uh, Andy, no, no, that makes sense. And you know, we've probably talked about that quite a few times about how we've taken some dark stuff and twisted it into some artwork um, pieces. Mm -hmm. I, Andy, your yeah. thoughts on that? No, 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 I agree with everything Greg said. Um, it makes hundred percent sense. Um, I always look at it as you know what something that could be so dark could be so positive at the same mm -hmm. time because the thing is every positive thing shouldn't always be gummy bears and candy land like i'm sorry it's just not always gonna be like that you know yeah. that kumbaya bullshit you know <laughs> i'd rather you know what sometimes some of the most positive things comes from the most darkest places so i think sometimes the most darkest places is needed because when we reflect on those things it's like oh wow okay i remember that time but i got through it so now mm -hmm. that's the positive side of it now i could talk about it and it's so raw too when we talk about those things because we don't know how raw it can get and i think that's what mm -hmm. makes 
those things authentic. That's just my opinion of mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yo, let's read some poetry, right. man. Come on, give us a taste. Um, give these people a taste. All right, well, because I already mentioned, I might as well read the uh, title piece from Fog of Midnight Hours, entitled Fog of the Midnight Hours. Uh, so here we go. It goes like this. <clears throat> they walked arm in arm down the all but deserted downtown streets just after midnight. A cold mist hung in the air, giving the street lights and neon bar signs a subdued ghostly glow. This was the old part of the city, where there were still cobblestone streets and antique dome streetlights left over from the city's gilded age splendor. Hassan himself could have painted the scene. He walks as slowly as possible, trying not to give away to her that he was doing so purposely. They eventually arrived at the cab her friends had gone ahead to grab and piled into, waiting for her. The sounds of the Saturday night revelers faded into the dark and damp of night. The two of them hugged one more time before she got in. It was a full embrace, tight and strong, but comforting, familiar. It was left unspoken, but they knew they'd never meet again, and they wanted it to mean something. You're a good person, she whispered into his ear, and I sincerely enjoyed having this time with you tonight. They pulled away. The slight wetness he saw gathering in her eyes was proof of her sincerity. Thank you, was all he could think to say, and she understood why he could say no more. She smiled a melancholic smile, then proceeded to brush his shoulders with both hands before patting down and straightening the lapels of his coat. She leaned in and kissed him, affectionately, on the cheek. Her lips felt cold and otherworldly. He didn't know if it was due to the amount of Guinness he had drunk that night, but he found himself comforted rather than put off by this, as there was a tenderness from her that passed right through him. Their gaze met as she pulled away. Her eyes, aqua green earlier, now appeared, he believed, spectral gray. But like her lips, the tenderness of her eyes, too, was otherworldly. He saw in them what he felt to be the vastness of some great beyond that existed well outside the grasp of what he knew and understood, a place whose existence, as well as its inhabitants, he was forbidden to know until it was his turn and he was called. Her melancholic smile remained as she finally turned to get in and join her friends to their next destination. The cab pulled away, and she disappeared back into the mist and mystery of the night, as if she were one with all its secrets. He hoped to take away from this something deep, some meaning or lesson from this experience. The only thing he knew for certain was that it was as quickly as she came into his life, she was now gone from it. He rubbed his cheek with his hand. He thought he could still feel her lips there. But when he closed his eyes, she was no longer there. Some paths, he knew, were not meant to intersect twice. Some mysteries exist to remain unsolved. And the stories we are in are oftentimes not our stories at all. Three hours, he said to himself as he put his cold hands back into his coat pockets. Three drunken hours out of a lifetime. And I'll never know what the hell for. As he turned from where, she, where he stood and began walking back... He found himself wishing he could remain behind in the fog of the midnight hours and be one with its riddles and its increasingly biting cold, rather than return to the light and warmth of the blissfully ignorant living, which he believed held nothing for him anymore. Nothing like having touched and known the unknown as he had for three drunken hours out of a lifetime. Whew, wow. Man. Thank you. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Oh, <laughs> man. 
you know, so many directions you can take this right now. Oh my god. Some parts of that piece definitely resonated with me, man. Oh my god. There's the you know what's funny? Mm. No, well, no, no, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry. Then I did my job. That's 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 that that is what oh. we that is why we do this. We we do it to entertain and we do it to make someone feel anything. That's that's the base of it. Anyone who's like anything else? Oh man, I needed to, I need a minute to process this, Angela. Your <laughs> thoughts because this no is wow. I'll take over, Annie. No worries. I usually just give you the chance to talk, so I don't talk over to you. Um, <laughs> absolutely, I can definitely see why this is the the title of this collection for sure. Um, it's got a very incredible narrative feel to it. Again, that's why mm. I'm so drawn into the whole recollection of it. Because you pull us in with this kind of romanticism and then all of a sudden, poof, like the fog in the midnight hours, mm. it is gone. And then it's lingering. It's there. And um, you just want it back. But again, three drunken hours out of a lifetime, it's just also, you kind of, with this, it's the way you can extrapolate on a moment. A moment mm. feels like a lifetime in just three, not even three pages of poetry. So, <laughs> fucking well done. That's what we say here, right, Andy? Thank you. Um, I definitely was yeah. drawn to the whole part, uh, for sure, um, uh, uh, where um, she was now gone from it. As quickly as she came into his life, she was now gone from it. And that's where it kind of, we feel the turning point of the whole entire That's disappointing. Disappointment, man. Mm. That's a straight up disappointment. I've had moments like that where it was mm. just like, but you know what it is? It's like, like you said, the moment that felt a lifetime. You know, when you're in the moment, it's mm. like, yes, it's the fucking greatest thing on the planet. But once that moment's gone, it disappoints mm. us because we realize as good as that moment was, some of those moments is just temporary. And mm. that's why I love the fact that you point, there's just some things that are not meant to intersect twice. Like that, that mm. makes so much fucking sense because mm. there's just some things you're never going to, you're never going to experience it again. And it's crazy. Cause I, back in college, it's funny. Cause I was just writing a piece mm. um, about a girl I used to like in college. And this felt like amazing. And, and it's like, one year like three months close to like one year it's like okay that's it she fucking disappeared i saw yeah. her again 2008 and that <laughs> lasted maybe another couple of months here and there and then she disappeared i've never seen this girl ever again like it's so fucking crazy and, mm -hmm. and there was a time where i thought about her a lot and then i stopped thinking about her and then i'm then i dated my first girlfriend mm -hmm. and all that stuff and, and it's funny because um there was a poet named Robert Kazi who wrote a piece called Derek that, that that's what inspired the piece while I'm listening to uh, a song called Angelo by um, the Lumineers. I'm listening to the piece of oh, this is perfect. And I'm like, you know, I never thought I'd talk about this person again. After mm -hmm. all these years, this is like what, 2005, where, what, 2023, yeah. 2008. So this is like a good 30 fucking years ago. So I'm just like, fuck mm -hmm. it. I guess <laughs> this this letter is my poetry to you, I guess, because we love poetry. But yeah. it's so crazy how something could one moment could disappear and never experience again. It's so mm -hmm. crazy. I think about it like it's kind of like drugs too, in a way, because it's like we know that that that's like our escape mm -hmm. away from whatever our reality is. But then once that high wears off, there's that disappointment because now it's like, oh crap, I gotta go back to that shit again. It's like mm -hmm. fuck, I need another numb moment. But then sometimes when we get too addicted to something, and then it's like 
now we don't have the access to that thing anymore. So I felt like that girl was the access mm. that we're never going to have again. Because once we lose the access to whatever that girl represents, then it's so disappointing. It's like, oh, fuck, now I'm back to this mm -hmm. shit again. Oh, now I got to find something else. But that, but even when we find something else, that something else is not as good as the girl. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, this is the one where I, this was a basic recollection. It's just like, okay, I'm going to remember this drunk night that I had. It'll be, you know, another drunk night in the, you know, down, downtown with lights and you know, all the shit like that. But I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know, it was like drizzling that night. I don't remember what she looks like. I don't remember what her name was. None of that shit. So I'm just like, this is like a fucking mystery. It's like, did it even happen? So that's why, no. that's why I was like, yeah, let me mm. take this in a different direction here and see if it, see if it sticks. And I, I was very, very happy with um, the direction I took with the, the, the mystery and you know the, this haunting sort of feel that I had for it. I don't know where I got it from. There was something specific that I was like referencing and thinking of when I was writing. I don't remember what it was. I'm sorry, um, but. It, it, it's put me in that mood where I'm like, okay, I want to be, I want to have this haunting sort of tune going on this whole time. And I, I love, I love how it turned out. And yeah. And like, um, I didn't want it to be negative or defeatist. You know, I wanted it because a lot of when I was writing this book, a lot of, you know, the personal shit that went into it, a big thing was letting go and acceptance. And, you know, however many years I removed from this moment, it's like, okay, I'm not mad about it anymore. It's like, or wondering, hey, why this happened? It's like, maybe it was a mystery. Maybe she was this fucking ghost or specter or whatever you believe in that just showed up and then was gone. And that's for wow. whatever reason. For whatever reason. That Yo. that's where I got. That's where I got it from. Okay, so are any of you all familiar with Neil Gaiman and the Sandman and all that? I know the Sandman as far as like the wrestler and Sandman, like the song from Metallica. That's the okay, Sandman um, I know. And I, and and Terminator. I think is it Terminator? <laughs> Person named the Sandman, I forget. Because, um, Neil Gaiman, you know, the, he's a fantasy writer. Um, he wrote the Sandman comics in like the early '90s. Mm. One of his characters is the personification of death, and she's like, she's one of my favorite comic book characters ever. She's like this normal, like 25 to 35 year old gothic girl, and there's this whole storyline with her where she has to go and live the life of somebody who's about to die. For one day, so she never loses sight of what she does as death, mm. and mm. there, the like, almost everything involving her, there's like a shroud of mystery surrounding, and that was sort of where I pulled from. Like, okay, I like that shroud of mystery thing. Let me see if I can pull that off. So I, I kind of had that going in my mind the whole time, and that's where that influence came from. So a lot of shit when goes into just one thing, and you don't even think about that until afterwards. Yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Sometimes it's you're taking one thing that felt like it was a reality point, but then you mm -hmm. extrapolate on so many other levels, mm -hmm. you know, sewing in those distant variations that you're that you spoke of just now. So yeah. That's why you were so successful because it's so layered. It's layered in that. Mm -hmm. That's why you feel mm -hmm. that mystery. And that's why you feel the fog. And that's why because so many people write the raw recollection. And I'm I'm just sick to death of it, even though I'm guilty of writing that stuff. Everybody does that. Because, but I don't want to be the one-trick pony who that's all he does. That's all he's known for. I don't want every single book I write to be just, you know, the same shit. I don't, I don't want to become ACDC, you know, where they're good, but Bye. but well, the, it's the same album for the last, the last 30 years. You know, I don't want to be that guy. And I want to 
with each release, I want to keep trying to do something just a little bit different. Nothing drastic, but just tweak things here, tweak things there. What can I pull here? What can I pull there? How can I make this? And so I, I never want to stop trying to improve or trying to try something different and see if it sticks. Because that's, that's, again, that's how you get better. And that's, that's a very simple concept to me that I don't think a lot of people grasp from what I've observed. Um, I think they're scared to do that because they're afraid of not being accepted. And that's a shame because you're fine. You'll be accepted, but you're just going to be mediocre for the rest of your life. I'd rather be unsuccessful, but be fucking sincere, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. whatever, money, whatever money I make from this is just a nice perk. I, I'm not in it for that. You know? Wow. Yeah. That makes absolute sense. Andy, I definitely agree with what Greg said as far as he has a big variety of types of writing that he likes to put in his collections. Because mm -hmm. he just sampled for us earlier, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Greg Mancy. He just read Fog of the Midnight Hours, which is the title of his second book that came out this year in February. Um, it's available on Amazon. Definitely, I recommend getting both of those books uh, out there. But um, throughout the collection, like I said, said there is a whole section where it is it's basically a straight on narrative then you have more of a traditional style kind of a poetry um i read one thing a couple of weeks ago um zigged instead of zagged i think it was okay yeah and it reminded yep. me uh, it reminded me almost of a dr Susie kind of a rhyme scheme as yep. far as how it sounded so again like greg you are a, definitely a jack of all trades here so <laughs> what's what's gonna happen next do you think or um um i don't, I don't know just yet i mean i still have a whole archive of stuff to pull from and like tweak and make better and all that so i can always do i can always fall back on that i want to get started on the short story writing i have a ton of fucking ideas that are only like half processed or like the first paragraph is going um that's a that's a totally different um approach to writing that kind of thing because it has to be longer for, <laughs> to begin with and you're just trying to tell you're trying to tell more. That that's that's the thing. I, I really suck at writing dialogue too, so I'm trying to figure out a way to like avoid that if I can. Um, but that that's that's the thing. I got a couple things planned. I think that's where I want to go next because there's there's a lot of good shit that I want to tell, and I think the only way to tell them is in like a, a short story format mm -hmm. or however fucking long lines. I don't want if it becomes like a long ass whatever novella or whatever. Fine, mm -hmm. sure, whatever. I'm not. I don't have that goal. I just want to get it done, get it out there. If it's another poetry book, fine. If it's a short story collection, fine. If it's whatever, whatever it becomes, what it becomes. You know, I just want the story told. So don't you don't have to tell mm. us what the story is, Greg? Because obviously this is a future a project kind of down the line. But what kinds of things is like what you're thinking of? Like what kind of what kind of uh, what kind of book would this be? What are you? What story are you trying to tell? Is it a thriller? Is it just a humanizing story? What is it? Like what are you planning out? What secret are you basically gonna throw uh, out just, to us here in the world? Just take any poem out of my book and turn it into a story. That's really, I've, I've actually thought about doing that and been like, okay, how can I expand this into like five mm -hmm. pages? You know, that kind Absolutely. of thing. Um, like so just, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, you know, take more of the everyday stuff and just go further into it. The, the, the big one that I'm working on, and this is, I think, if I do this right, this could be the best thing I fucking do. Um, it's going to be based on my high school homecoming, Ooh. which is, yeah. Um, so it's going to be kind of like, because I've always wanted to write a sports story because I played football in high school, okay. but I don't want it to be like, you know, we got our asses kicked homecoming. Our homecoming game was, was disgusting. We got the fuck beat out of us. Year? I got to know. Is this oh, senior, senior year? Is this senior, senior year? year? Yeah. 
senior year. Oh, okay. We got our asses beat homecoming. for homecoming. So right off the bat, it's it's not right off the bat, it's not a Disney sports story because we are gonna get the fuck beat out of us. Um, but I kind of, I kind of want to parallel it with like the game, and the homecoming dance afterwards, and kind of former around the theme of. This is life. You're going to get your fucking ass beat. You're going to be disappointed, and there's really nothing you can do other than take your shower and go home. You know? I have a you know a couple of Vince Lombardi coats I'm drawn from for that, you know, but which you kind of have to, but that that, that, that kind of thing. That kind of thing. You know, that, that's the big one, and there's other things that I got in the wheelhouse, too, but it's just a matter of getting to it. Yeah, that's the, mm. the, that's the parallel of living life and trying to live life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Andy? Exactly. No, I definitely agree with you on that. Again, I'm just listening and embracing everything here, man. This is so good. Um, I try. Yeah, you got to give us yeah. Who doesn't love a good homecoming story where the, the whole team yeah. gets their asses kicked? That's what happened in my high school, too. Our our, uh, our football team sucked. <laughs> and our soccer team almost made, like, state champ that year. That uh-huh. was pretty cool. <laughs> oh god what a great i mean i already know i don't know where it's gonna go but i know that that already is so universal that people are gonna <laughs> want to know greg people are gonna want to know right. see i never had a i never had an experience like that yeah unfortunately you know again i went to uh i i was born in the ghetto so you mm. know in the ghetto you don't have crap like that yeah homecoming <laughs> dance like there's no shit like that this is all like go to school get beat up go home talk to people in the projects and then same shit every day and then they do this lingo yo 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 what up home slice and all this bullshit but that's pretty much it i mean yeah. i'm not ashamed of where i'm mm. from but i'm that's just not my thing i'll say yo i'm glad i got out of there that's all i can say about that hey you got out man God, uh-uh. Andy, could you imagine a homecoming, though? Could you imagine what it would be like? Yeah, a fight would break out. That's exactly what would happen. That's exactly what would happen in the ghetto. Like, I kid you not. That's exactly what would happen. There won't be no, hey, will you go steady with? No, like, if you go with a girl, you're going to go fuck the girl. You're, you're going to fuck her. That's really what it is. Like, that's just how it is, so man. Andy, like, no one's thinking like, about. Andy, I think, I think you should write your own version, then. You can write your own story. Yeah, there you go. Oh, homecoming story. Um, I'd do that. I got. <laughs> no, I definitely read Homecoming in the Hood. That sound good. Word. Oh, God. I can say so many stories about the hood, man. It's make not, it a, com- like it make it a comedy. Like, don't be a menace. Yeah. Oh, my, my God. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. Come on. Read us another piece, All man. Right. That's what I was Perfect. Okay. Um, well, because it's Father's Day week, I thought I'd read on based around dads. Because, you know, it's Chris Rock once famously said, all daddy gets is a big piece of chicken at dinner time. Everyone loves mama, but no one gives a shit about daddy. Uh, <laughs> so this is going to be from uh, the first book, We Live Like Kings. Um, this one is based around my dad. This is called um, Cheshire Cat Grin or To Dad on his 60th. It goes like this. There's a picture I found of Dad and I from when I was a boy. I was three, maybe four years old. He must have been around my age then that I am now. He's got me up on his shoulders as he walks. This was during a time before my sister existed, back when he would call me Bit of Buddy, which stood for Little Bit of a Buddy. He's got on his gorgeous peacoat he got in the Navy and is wearing the Cheshire Cat grin of his that I have come to inherit. I wonder what he was smiling about during that walk in the fall of 1989. 
I believe it was elation. He had, after all, just finished his military service. Armed with the knowledge he had escaped a motherless and impoverished childhood, fed on a steady diet of daily scoldings, beatings, and boiled beef and gravy. Or being left with relatives, friends of the family, and acquaintances, who all must have wondered what the hell was going on while my grandpa went out to gallivant and sow his wild oats. If I could reach him through that picture, would I tell him that in 30 years' time that you will violently hurt your back and get booted from the police force, divorce your wife, never reconnect with your insane father or absent mother, and eventually sport hair resembling Ben Franklin? Yes, and I'd tell him he did well. I'd get to tell him he retired early after busting his ass for the local electric company for 25 years, and that life thereafter would be not but road trips, tea times, and early bird specials at the diner with his retired golf buddies. I'd get to tell him that by the time he hits the milestone of 60, he'd have weathered the storm completely. I wonder how much wider that Cheshire Cat grin would get if he knew that during that walk in 1989. My guess, as wide as it still is today. Wow. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Talk to me about that retirement, man, because I, I just got to know, man. <laughs> no, my, my dad worked an insane amount of OT for like five years in a row. Like, he, he was like, because all he did for the electric company was read people's meters. He even said, I do the dumbest shit in the world and I get paid stupid money for it. There would be times wow. that he'd be on like, he'd be on like triple time and a half working. Like if there was a storm, he'd be there. He'd be like, yeah, I'll do it like all day, all day and night. Like he'd be exhausted, but he was racking up stupid money and he yeah. retired at 54. He retired at 54. He's 63. He just turned 63. So, wow. and all he's done, since wow. then, all he's done since then, then is golf and travel. That's all he does. And it's like, well, that's retirement. That's you've earned it. <laughs> you've Whoa. earned it. You know, what? I hope I can retire at 54, man. That would be a dream come true. I don't want to wait <laughs> till 65, man. Like, I'm, living, uh, I'm living in a box. I don't, I don't care. Once I hit 65, I'm done. I don't care. I'm, I'm living. I'll live in a box. I am done. But. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I'll tell you, man. He, he just, I just remember, like, the amount of shit that he was doing. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll work, I'll work sunrise and sundown. I'll work holidays. What do I care? I got nowhere to be. <laughs> it's, it's easy. I, he, <laughs> I, go, I drive from house to house and get out and look. What do I care? <laughs> so that was that. Word. I got to wow. tell you, Greg. Um, I got to tell you, Greg, that uh, mm. your dad very much reminds me so much of my own father that it's hard for me mm. not to want to connect deeply to this piece. Mm. My dad is an ex-Marine. He his mother died when he was seven, mm. like beat to death. You know, mm. he's at, uh, he worked for thirty-five plus years at an insurance company, mm -hmm. a life insurance company, and his all he wanted to do was retire and play golf. That's all he wanted to do was retire <laughs> and play golf. So mm -hmm. like, I, I I can't help but feel very emotionally connected to this piece because that father figure is much like my father figure. So it's mm -hmm. easy for yeah. me to connect to that. Mm -hmm. Good. Excellent. So it's really well done. But again, I just like the whole description of this person, mm -hmm. who he is, what he went through, and how you pay honor and homage to him. And mm -hmm. that's very clear. Has your father read this? No, yeah, he's read both of them. What does he say? What does he think? Because I would never give my poetry to my parents, whether it was positive <laughs> or not. So well, that, that's what I was nervous parents. about when I was, when, that was That's what I got nervous about. I'm like, fuck, my parents going to be reading this shit. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> Hey, no going back now. Here we go. But um, no, it was kind of because a lot of it was I. My okay, so my dad and my parents split when I was like 
13 or 14. So I was raised by my mother with my sister. And I think because my dad didn't have a, a useful dad of his own, he, he kind of had a tough time, like, with the openness. So we don't, we never had the open father-son, you know, birds and bees talk, son, tell me about your date. No, we, we do kind of now. And I think it's because the books came out. I think he saw, okay, this is, this is reality. And we, unspoken, but you feel a difference. And it's a good difference. Oh. My son is a human being. Oh, wow. No, yeah, exactly. exactly. My dad's a human being. Yeah, no. Exactly. And I think we, I'm like exactly that with my parents. Like, we don't go deep. Mm -hmm. But it's, but it's a deep connection yeah. on the surface. But that's because I like the compartmentalize. So you're saying yeah. having this exposure to this has allowed those channels to open up? Yeah. He was the first one to read the, the, the second one that came out. He was the, he like, I gave it to my mom to give to him. And then, like, the day later, he, he texts me back. He's like, hey, another home run. Good job. Like, hey, cool. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. No, but, I, I mean, I relate to a sense of me because my dad was the same mm. way, too, 1950 Puerto Rican. Like, especially in Hispanic culture, they don't talk about mental health or they don't talk about, like, mm -hmm. the, like you said, the openness and stuff. Honestly, it wasn't until, like, around the time where I was getting ready to get married, mm -hmm. that's when he really started to open up, but, like, kind of come around a little bit, start opening up, mm -hmm. but I, oh, God, I'll never forget my wedding day, the day of, I'm with the cameraman, with my best man, whatever, and we're like, okay, we're getting ready, and my dad's like, listen, you know, I don't really say much, but this is what it is, and I'll never forget this. He said, let's just remember two things. I'm like, okay, well, I think he's gonna give me, like, this whole speech, whatever. I'm like, yes, he's finally gonna tell me that. He says, it costs cheap to get married, but it's expensive to get divorced. So make sure you chose wisely. I was like, what the fuck? That's it? <laughs> like, and he walked away. My mom gave him that look like, okay. I gave him that look. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Oh, okay. Um, I guess that's as good as it gets. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Dad. I'm like, uh, I'm Andy, like yeah, okay. Andy, that's funny. The first time I got divorced, the first time I got divorced, my dad told me, and, and we were only married for like three months officially, but technically, anyways, that's not important. But he said to me, yeah, I didn't actually see that guy for you. I'm like, um, you could have told me before I got <laughs> married that you had an opinion that you didn't think this was the guy for me, which I thought was just hilarious. Because again, we don't talk. Mm. We don't share. Maybe that was the ultimate that. parenting. Maybe that was the ultimate parenting, though. It's like, all right, she got to figure out this shit on her own. Right. But, yeah, but you know well, what's funny? I don't but you know, that yeah. But it's interesting because when my, with my wife, you know, because she's had two marriages and stuff before I married her, and she was saying how, uh, see, her mom was not open, but she had she had no filter. It was kind of like, oh, why you like? Pretty much, she didn't approve of her first marriage, <laughs> and I think after six months or something, they had an annulment because it just didn't work out. And then my her mom was like, yeah, I told you so. Like, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, damn, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, damn, that that sucks. I'm not. She said that, damn. But she had no, she has no problem like just speaking her mind. And sometimes it's at the most inappropriate times. I'm just like, wow, okay. And then I finally met her mom. I'm like. Okay, now you were not over exaggerating. Okay, <laughs> now I understand. I gotta watch what I say around her because she'll have something to say. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just go over here and you guys have your little melee. That's fine. I just don't want no part of it. That's fine. Mm -hmm.
Andy, you should definitely stay out of that. But it seems like also that we're talking about different, like, tragic relationships all of a sudden. Greg, there's a lot of themes like that throughout your um, mm -hmm. collections of work. Some some uh, interesting thematics um, that have happened. Mm -hmm. oh, there's one poem that talks about um, somebody sending you a picture of an ultrasound of uh, somebody else's baby. Like, again, where did you, where do you come up with some of these tragedies or, like, these, because, again, these are some high, intense, emotional kind mm -hmm. of, stories that I guess you know extrapolate from you know reality mm. and what you know so talk about that please um I don't know it's just it's just stuff that I remember happening and I did I, I hang on to everything I, that's my uh you know one of my more negative traits is I I hang on and I remember all the yeah. nasty shit always the bad never the good this is how that's that's life it's how we are but um that ultrasound one, that was, I, and I don't want to sound like I'm a biographical writer. I don't want to, because I, I love telling people. No, you never might say be that, Greg. You would never say that. No, I, I, I do like to leave the mystery. Like, I know it's true. I know it's true. You don't. So I can, you know, but, you know, I have no problem telling. Um, That happened, like, for a long, long time ago. And I wrote and wrote about it, like, a few years later. And then I forgot about it. And then I discovered i'm like oh my god i forgot i fucking wrote about that fucking bitch <laughs> you know? and uh, and then i was like let me, let me make something out of this and i i like that one that came when that one came out i know the one you're talking about it's um, good it's a good one thank I you because again there was that, that there's that twist ending that you know you ex you didn't necessarily expect you knew something kind of tragic may be happening but not that because that is like mm -hmm. ballsy yeah somebody to necessarily also because i kind of was in a similar situation not quite exactly the same where i got pregnant with my second husband while i was still technically mm. married to my first husband and having to tell him that whoa that was not a fun time <laughs> Holy shit, oh I wow that, like i didn't send that guy an ultrasound say like check out this this is so cool you know like, you yes about like, Hey, we all uh, we all got skull uh, in our closet. We ain't proud of. Oh, I ain't judging. Of course. <laughs> reminds me of uh oh my god. Reminds me of Eddie Murphy joke. He says something. I think, I think it was that thing raw. He said you got fucking bones coming out of your mouth and shit. I forgot. He said something <laughs> like that. She got me dying. I was like oh oh. He said the quietest women are the most skeletons in their closet. It's Watch out yeah, or some right. shit like that. <laughs> Why spit that shit out flat. Andy, why does it matter when we talk to Greg? Because the last time I said I was the one carrying the largest bat in the room, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you I have to, oh, go that way, man. The what? Oh, when you say you have to, you have you to, the, oh my the God. Biggest, well, the biggest dick in the room when you walk in. That's and, what it is. And, yeah, and you, you just no, pop no, it right down the table. Yeah, I'm not going to two boys talk over me. I'm going to tell you how it is. Yeah, he's yeah. got. You got to fake it till you make it. Just walk in and you know, just That's flop right. it right on the table. You're like, flat. Yeah. Oh, exactly. my God. Even if you're not, you just got to do it sometimes. <laughs> Greg, that's actually kind of important. I'm kind of glad that we brought that up because that's kind of like you're that swag kind of girl. sarcastic, kind of yeah, that swagger, just like what Andy just said. You're kind <laughs> of um, like you said, you we've we've spoken before that you have some um, not idols but uh, some references to like a Larry David's kind of a thematic hilariousness kind of a I'm gonna yeah. poke you but it's because it's there's something behind the poke that I'm really trying to say yeah um that's... can you talk about your your voice like can you talk about that at all um can you be a little more specific that's like a broad question I yeah. I'm not good with the broad <laughs> no it's okay I can I can 
I can make that more specific. You have a tongue-in-cheek kind of a sarcastic mm -hmm. commentary. Mm -hmm. okay. Where does that come yeah. from? Uh, well, both my parents are very much like that. Both of them in their own in their own different ways. Uh, my mom is more biting. My dad's more, you know, eh, whatever. I don't give a shit. That kind of thing. And I'm a combination of both of them. Um, but I was also one of the big things that I was raised. Uh, one of the big lessons be between the two of them was uh, don't take yourself seriously, and don't take really don't really don't take much of anything seriously. And as, as I've gotten older, and I've seen the utter tomfoolery bullshit of our society. I cannot possibly take any of it seriously. I don't know how anyone else can. And here we are on this fucking, the only place we're ever going to live, like Carl Sagan said, this little blue dot floating in the middle of nowhere. No, nothing we do matters. All these, whatever you protest or whatever you're bitching about, whatever, whatever illness comes after us next, it doesn't fucking matter. None of it does. You know, and you know, the, the last election, especially when every seemingly rational people were like becoming wild villagers with pitchforks and torches. I'm just like, I can't take any of this shit seriously anymore. I'm done. I'm not voting. I'm not debating. I don't give a fuck. I've washed my oh. hands. I've washed my hands of all this. I told all of you, if you want to change, flip the middle finger on election day and say we deserve better. But y'all didn't. Y'all want the same, same narrative. So why? This is the only, again, here we are. We, we shouldn't even be here. That's the thing. Humanity is an accident. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are an accident. We should never have gotten out of the food chain. But we did, and here we are. You know, and it, it, just, it just boggles my mind that we just can't stop and breathe and think, oh, yeah, we're, we're, this, at any moment, a gamma ray burst could fucking wipe us all out. And then what, what are we well, I'm pissed off because Budweiser had a fucking tranny on their advertising them? What the fuck? Why are we pissy about that? Well, we're pissing yeah, about fucking yeah, beer cans. Uh, we're pissing yeah, about we beer cans. You know, yeah. for fuck's sake. And again, oh my a God. gamma ray yeah. burst. Yeah, Wipe us out, and that's our last thought. I, so I can't take it seriously. So here, yeah. so, so I get annoyed and, as you can tell, a little heated about this sort of stuff. But also, I feel liberated. Good. Because. That's good. That's good, you know, Greg. If I can uh, extrapolate on your point a little bit, it sounds like you're just coming mm. in with a very common point that I think a lot of us have is that this is too much bullshit mm. and we got to let this bullshit go. But yeah. we are not able to, as a society, let go of the bullshit because mm. we are uh, ingrained in tradition. Mm. Tradition, whether you know it's good in theory, we cannot get out of the chains of tradition mm -hmm. and we cannot go past that. So you're utilizing mm. that kind of, um, I'm going to use the word abrasive. Abrasive is not the right word. I'm going to use the <laughs> word abrasive right now because I can't okay. get to my power to the source in this moment. Um, that harshness <laughs> that gets people, you like to get people a little heated as well. You want people to feel the same heat as you. Is that is that fair to say? <sighs> yes and no, because I'm not trying to influence. I'm just, this is me. And if you want to think that, I'm good. If not, fuck yeah. You know, that's, uh, and that sound, again, that does sound abrasive. I don't want to come across like that as a person. I mean, initially, yes. That's why I, you know, I am kind of hard to get to know occasionally. Um, but as a human being, I just, you're right. It's very all tongue in cheek. I try to be, you know, kind of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink on, on this, but I'm also dead, dead serious because right. why the hell shouldn't we all just get, 
all the three of us probably have vastly different opinions on a vast array of topics. Absolutely. But here we are talking about fucking books. Here we are talking about fucking books. Why, why, why can't the rest of the world just turn off your turn off anything social? Don't listen to any media, whatever you're, whatever you are on the spectrum, wherever I don't care, and just talk about sports. Talk about Jordan. Talk, you know, talk about books and movies. And my God, we'll get along. I've worked with guys yeah. who are straight out. Of, I've worked with I've worked with guys who are straight out of jail. I didn't think I was gonna be budged with con, ex cons, ex drug dealers, but I got along with them. Why? Because nobody gives a shit, and you're just two two guys slumming in a kitchen. Yo, we're equals. <laughs> you know, nobody's better in this position. <laughs> so, yo, who's yo? Yo, and the guy was my age, and I was like, yo, were you, were you a Jordan fan? He's like, nah, I was a Patrick Ewing fan. I was like, ah, oh, fuck you, man, come on. <laughs> yo, that's that's how it starts. Yo, it's just like, God, it's so easy. It's so easy. That's why yeah. I can't take the shit seriously. Uh, no, I, I, I feel you on that. Yeah. No, but I, I, I feel a, you on that. Can I say one thing? Because I think that's important to notice. I think there's a difference between people who say abrasive things to be abrasive, and then there's a mm. difference between being abrasive to get a point across, and that point is this is bullshit. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that's no, what yeah. you're trying to say. So yeah, I mean, again, where, where there's an abrasiveness, it's not a, an abrasive, negative nastiness. It's really an mm-hmm. open your mind. Let's think about this topic kind of a conversation. And I wasn't. I had Although to hone this that. Is your opinion. Yeah, I, I had to hone that too because I mean, yeah, I, you know, I would just be abrasive to be abrasive. I think everyone does that. No. Um, no. But at, at yeah, okay. And um, at some point, I was like, this isn't really me. You know, and I'm I'm really coming across as a dick. I I really don't want to come across as just a dick and just become famous for being a dick, even though I'm not a dick. That's that's stupid. So I, I had to calm I don't remember exactly when or why I started to try and mellow out or calm down, but I focused it into a more I don't know if it's a positive light, but uh more realistic, you know, less dickish, I guess. I don't know. There's there's people who still think I'm an abrasive cold hearted dick. And they're probably always gonna be, but I, I can't do anything about that. I can just, you know, come here, come, come here, and you know, see, see the man behind the curtain, so to speak. Yeah. You know? Absolutely, and we're yeah. all we're all similar people. We have different beliefs and different ideas, but it's okay to have different beliefs and different ideas and discuss them. Mm. And again, what I, I think it's a good thing that you mellowed out because you have a lot of really important things to say and share, and <laughs> like, your artistry in your in your poetry and your works is great. And if you are too abrasive, people are going to miss that unnecessarily, you know, by mm. accident, because there are some things that are happening visceral. There's a, you know, just, oh my God, immediate responses to things that trigger them because of some things that are happening to them rightfully so that they miss mm. the greater picture unnecessarily. So that's, mm. yeah, I think you did a good job. And I think it's a very important concept to say to other people listening if they're because there's nothing wrong with abrasive. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with shock. No. But again, it, there has to be something behind it. Mm-hmm. Shock for shock's sake is just, that's just sloppy. And I think that's what you're trying to say. Yeah. You're trying to layer it, intellectualize it, maybe theorize it a little bit so it's underneath something that seems abrasive. It's funny, it's funny you say that because um, one friend of mine who got the, the, new, the new book, um, she said she didn't like it as much as the first one because it didn't seem as raw. And I was like, nah, nah, it's definitely, it is. But again, because I tried to take it in a different way. I didn't want to, again, like you said, raw for raw, shock for shock sake is BS, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, let me, let me, okay, let me take the, the intensity here, 
but make it not make it sincere because you can always sniff out bullshit in somebody's pieces you you can't you can't you can always tell what's sincere what's not um so i try to make it as sincere and as honest as possible but in a more dressed up way occasionally you know um again i don't want to be just that one trick pony yeah. Um, I agree. How about we no, do another yeah. right now, Andy? Unless you had something that yes. you wanted to say. Yes. Okay. No, no, I just want to say, like, no. One thing I just wanted to say was to what you said earlier about how people worry about so much bullshit. It's like, dude, it is what it is, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, one thing I wanted to add on to is that, okay, you know, the day it—I don't know if it ever will happen—but the 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 day it ever happens, if we ever become extinct, bugs, birds, animals will fuck us surpass us no matter fucking what. That's the crazy shit about it. But yeah, we'll worry about dumb shit. No, exactly, yeah. We all wind up as fucking worm food anyways. <laughs> fuck. Fuck. <laughs> chill out, guys. God damn. Chill out. Smoke a joint and chill. Fuck. Have a drink. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus. Word. Absolutely. So um, if you are just joining us towards the end of our first hour, we have been highlighting this uh, poet. He's two-time published um, from Raw Earth, Inc., who we've interviewed before, too. We maybe should uh, ask about your experience through that publishing process for maybe just for fun's sake. Um, But we're also going to hear another piece by our um, guest of honor for this hour. Um, We will be starting our open mic at the 10 o'clock hour. So if you are joining us wanting to do that, we'll get you on shortly. So. you uh, decided to go through Raw Earth Inc. for both of your books. For your mm. next book, is that something that you're going to continue to do? Um, probably, because I'm really liking the experience. Tara's very easy to work with. Um, she's very encouraging. Uh, she's giving me good ideas and good guidance on where to go next. Um, so, yeah, right now, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I have no can complaints say, at all. Greg, can I just say few? Because what if you were going to say no? Like, what a horrible question no. to, like, ask. Fuck her. Nah. Nah. Great. We've interviewed her before. We're hoping to get her again on yeah. as well. Um, absolutely. Um, fun, fun side fact, everybody. My cat is uh, attacking a mouse right here on the on my deck right now, live. So that, just ignore me. Okay, can we but, see the mouse? Yeah, it's 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 fun over here. That's too graphic. Uh, interesting. <laughs> uh, so, so you want to hear? Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, one or two more. Okay. Um, what do I want to do next? What did I want to do next? Okay, I'll do this one next. So this one's based on uh, my days work. My days working at uh, at Chipotle. I was I was a Chipotle prepper for three years. Um, I knew when you said when you said it was my days working. I'm like, oh god, it's a Chipotle one, isn't it? it is? Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, so here we go. This is called Escape to the Open Ocean, and it goes like this. Most of my coworkers are just out of high school. We're talking between 17 and 19 being the average. Being in my 30s makes me geezer in residence, but we all get along because I treat them like adults and they all agree I neither look or act my age, whatever the hell that means. I was like them once. I was an 18-year-old dishwasher at the local diner, wondering what the hell the 30 and 40-year-olds were doing waitressing or short-order cooking, laughing silently to myself, not spitefully, but arrogantly. My youthful pride believing that it'd never be me. I'm 100% sure most, if not all, wonder what the hell a college-educated dude in his 30s is doing chopping jalapenos and, in an all-too-sobering moment of never-say-never, scrubbing pots and pans in the local Chipotle's. How'd this sorry fuck screw up? I'm sure they wonder. 
I'm with you guys. I thought the same about Bobby Clark and Jenny B when I was a fresh-faced 18-year-old ready to conquer the world. As long as they don't find me creepy, they can find think whatever they want. Those free-spirited little fuckers, how I envy them so. I envy their humor, which has yet to turn bitter. I envy their excitement for the future, which has yet to become a stress-riddled present. I envy the carefree shine in their eyes that life and all its trials and hurdles has yet to beat from them, dulling the glimmer. I like them all. They make me laugh and sometimes even forget my own bitterness. And I'm reminded, too, that I still have a bit of life left in front of me yet. I can tell which girls will blossom by the time they're 25 and which fellows are, gonna, are destined to, to be stand-up, honest men of wit and honor. It kills me that not all of them will go places or are destined for great things. Some are destined for a crap life they couldn't avoid. Some are destined to be entitled soccer moms. Some are destined to become trash. Some are destined to be like me, starting over in their mid-30s at a Chipotle after a few misguided decisions. But, like the newborn sea turtle, a few will escape the bloodbath and escape to the open ocean. Promise me you'll make better decisions than I did, guys. Promise me you'll at least try. I'd hate for you to become like me or worse. Wow. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Thank you. Oh, man. I've had that thought process, too, when I was younger. It's like, damn, I'll never be that person. But, yeah, I feel like there's certain aspects of that. But, damn, I kind of am kind of that person. Like, mm. it's crazy because I used to tell my dad, well, I used to tell myself, you know, I, I wouldn't, I'm never going to be like my dad all strict like that or I'll never be all bitter about things. But, yeah, I got an older. I'm like, yo, I'm not very angry like my dad sometimes. Oh, snap, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore kind of thing. <laughs> Or I'll see somebody walking down the street, especially when I was young, I'm like, oh, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. And yeah, here I am at age 23 smoking a cigarette. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. Mm -hmm. It's funny. So it's one of those things we tell ourselves we won't do something. It's like Murphy's Law, or, you know, Murphy's Law pretty much. Yeah. No, yeah. And, uh, Where you don't think they'll happen, happens. Yeah, and that was during, <laughs> that, was a, that was a big reset period in my life. Mm -hmm. I just left some really awful, awful jobs. Awful. And I'm like, the only way I'm gonna, anything's uh, going to change is if I completely change and reset, which is an awful, awful feeling because you don't know where it's going to go. And anyone who's had to do a hard reset, you know exactly that feeling because it's like, oh, if I, if I fail here, I'm fucked. Absolutely. You know, you know, yeah. But that's, I have to say what I had, that's what I had to do. And, you know, yeah, there I was. I was 30 working, you know, with college, you know, high school graduates. He's like, oh, this is fucking humbling as shit. That's what but, I was gonna say. Damn it! Like, I, you guys didn't let me get a chance to get a comment in, but Greg, that's what I want to say. Is that had to have been such a humbling experience, but also to go in with such a wisdom because you've been there. That's why you're mm. able to pick out. Oh, this person's gonna be this. This person's gonna be like that. Oh, I already know you. I've seen you. I've lived you. Mm -hmm. Um, again, can I ask though? At the end of the day, it was kind of fun working there. I love that job. I did. It was. Yes, it was fun. Yeah. It was. It was fun. Um. Because I worked with a, good, with a good group of kids. Um, you know, most of them are pretty smart, and most of them are going to go places. I hope they do, anyways. Um, that I mean, I I eat good every day. Um, it was there was no there was no there was no stress at all. Any 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 sort of stress that came up again, I was just like, this is this is dumb. I'm getting paid a chop less. I'm not going to fucking worry myself to death when I used to work outside climbing up 20, 20 foot high rail cars every day. No, nah, I don't, this is nothing. This is nothing. I'm not, you know, fuck it guys. Come on, chill out. 
Let's just get the date on. Man. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to be here. So let's just fucking enjoy ourselves, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And then again, that's kind of I think where you got that attitude where, hey, I just fucking live, mm -hmm. whatever. This yeah. Is where it is, because again, that moment that could be a moment where you look at yourself in the mirror and go, oh fuck, I, I'm this, you know, right now I'm four years old sleeping on a couch right now, like that's fucking depressing. Mm -hmm. But again, you were able to highlight the opposite effect of that how you were able to kind of use some wisdom some opportunity mm. in order to achieve mm, thank you. things after that yeah. so well done thank you thank you thank you so it's, it's always well, weird to hear feedback it's still weird to hear is. no it is because it's like i know what it's about i think it's good but then to hear someone tell me what they feel it's about and tell me it's good it's completely it's still a foreign concept to me. I hope I don't lose that feeling. I think when you lose that feeling, then hang it up. Get, hang, hang up the fucking writing pen. Mm. And that's why, I, again, I don't want to be a one-trick pony. Just, again, these guys who just read Bukowski and Ginsburg, and that's it. That's who they write as. And that, that's not, not that there's really anything wrong with that, per se, but just... Come on, broad, change it up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's some advice I I read from Bradbury where he's like, I read everything from Byron and Shakespeare to the science fiction to the comics to anything, because the more you know, the more you can pick out what you like from these guys and then make it your own thing. I just again, it's a concept that makes sense to me, and the, for some reason they don't teach it in the fucking overpriced universities, you know. That's but, true. But. That's that's what I want. I don't want to be. I, I don't want to be complacent in this literary wasteland of just laziness and complacency that I I, I see, that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to be part of that. And there's a there are a, a lot of others who have talent who are not complacent who are doing that same thing. And I want. I hope that they get some recognition too, because there's a lot of good out there. You Absolutely. just gotta kind of rummage your way through these this just arid fucking wasteland that I think yeah. the literary world's kind of become, but... Absolutely. Well, um, I want to say this, though, Greg, that you just said that there's a lot of good out there. Yes, this, it feels like a fucking wasteland, but mm -hmm. um, Andy and I, we're trying to build that bridge to connect people to people like you who might not necessarily reach out to others because you're uh, working <laughs> on your own stuff because you are so creative-minded and all that good stuff, but uh, now people are able to connect to you more, and we hope to continue to do that. Mm -hmm. um, we are past the hour already. I can't even believe it, uh -oh. but... Um, so we're going to say some last thoughts, and then hopefully you'll okay. join us as we start the open mic. Um, you're going to join with Andy, and he's going to be um, driving the car. You'll be my, the co-host while I put our stuff together. But just mm -hmm. some last thoughts. So again, if you're just joining us, we're about to start the open mic time, although we're going to put a cap. It's not going to go to a question mark anymore. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the hour. Um, Andy's got some new rules for us. Just kidding. Um, not kidding. Um, but uh, again, Greg Manzi, thank you Thanks. so much for joining us for this hour. And um, the theme, Matt, was not to be a one-trick pony. And you're definitely not going to get that if you purchase any of the materials from our friend, Greg Manzi, available on his webpage um, and through Amazon and all of that. So just last thoughts. Uh, I'm looking forward to the high school um, homecoming story um, that uh, will hopefully be out in the next couple of years. Uh, Greg, well, well, now, now I got you. No, I got to get cracking on it. <laughs> yeah, you got to start working on that tonight. Yeah, great. I'm just going to be lazy. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy, any last words before I, I 
turn the car off? No, um, pretty much just say thank you, yeah. brother, for saying yes. Thank you once again for doing this part two with us, man. It's Absolutely. been an honor and privilege. And to go live was even, like, more <laughs> magical, man. Yeah. So thank you, man. Oh, my God, Andy, I've been so good all hour, and now I can't stop myself. But remember, like, the first time we was on a phone conversation, I was in mm -hmm. somebody's dead mother's house on the phone <laughs> with wonky internet in Alabama. Like, this was much, much um, more Much smoother, yeah. To be able to not talk over all y'all. Yeah, no, no. I can see when people are chatting. But thank you again so much. Um, Greg, I hope you actually start our open mic. I will be in the audience. I will hear all, and I will see you all in a few minutes. Bye. Cheers.